At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Thursday morning, January 9th, 2019. It's the Beauty of the Book Podcast Megapod Division Round. Good games this weekend. We'll tackle them all as always, beginning with the staples of the show. But first, 11 good minutes with Aaron Schatz. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander, broadcasting only on the Vegas Stats and Information Network. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Analytics, statistics, and more are used to win wagers, and Gil has every number you need to cash your tickets. Now, live from the VSIN studios in the South Point Hotel and Casino, it's Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game right here at VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, Sirius XM Channel 204, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Fubo TV, where all books are sold. Maybe not that last one. Uh, this is where sports betting analytics live, actionable sports betting information on the uh, show this hour kind enough to make quarterly appearances with us on the show this year, and we appreciate that. This is always the time that he uh, grants me some time. He hangs out with me on this show and on the podcast to just sort of do a little brief year in review and then a projection into the uh, playoffs. It's the great Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. Good morning, Aaron. Hey, good morning. I'm excited to talk to you because I always ask you the same sort of template of questions at this time uh, during the season, and I want to start with some of those. The historical context of a certain offense and a certain offense to the good and to the bad, I should say, this year, uh, namely the Chiefs and the Cardinals. Put those, if you would, sir, in historical perspective for us based on your numbers. Right. So for folks who don't know, the numbers at Football Outsiders, our main stat is called DVOA. It stands for Defense Adjusted Value Over Average. We have this stat breaking down play-by-play going all the way back to 1986. What's important is that it's normalized by year. Okay, So it controls for the fact that the offensive environment of this year was so high. 
And based on that, we have Kansas City as the fifth best offense of the last 33 years and Arizona as the third worst defense of the last 33 years. Third worst offense, you mean, of the last 33 years. The third worst, sorry, third worst offense of the last 33 years, right. Yeah, so the the only offense is worse. Here's the thing, that some of the offenses better than the Chiefs, which are fifth the best in the last 33 years, according to DVOA, your number. Uh, I remember some of those offenses, namely the number one team, which is the 2007 Patriots, which made the bid to go undefeated before getting beat by the Giants in the Super Bowl. Uh, and the 98 Broncos, also a Super Bowl winning team just above them. Uh, when I look at the right. when I look at the two teams that were worse than the Cardinals over that thirty three uh, year span, thank goodness I have no recollection of these two teams. There in two thousand two Texans and ninety two Seahawks, what were those teams? Well, like? the two thousand two Texans were an expansion team where uh, I believe that David Carr set the all time record for taking sacks in the season. Oh yes, yeah. And the 92 Seahawks were one of these incredible teams with a really great defense led by uh, Kenny Easley and Cortez Kennedy. But their offense was so putrid, they used three quarterbacks during the year. Kelly uh, Stover, yes. uh, Stan, Stan Gelbaugh, and Dan McGuire. And uh, running game, the running game was actually reasonable with, I think, uh, Chris Warren was his name. Yeah. But it's uh, the passing game was so abhorrent that even, right, 92 had much lower uh, offensive levels than now, but even compared to other teams at the time, they were just dismally low. Wow. Kelly Stouffer, Stan Gelbaugh. Gelbaugh, I believe, went to Maryland because I'm from that part of the country. And then Dan McGuire, I believe, is Mark McGuire's brother. If I recall that correctly. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. They right. did not score more than 17 points in a single game all season. Wow. Do you remember Cortez Kennedy and Kenny Easley? Though? That, was, that was quite a defense. All right, so then the other question that uh, perhaps happily or some years, much to your chagrin, I ask is, your preseason projections from before this season, how many of the 12 playoff teams did you get right, Aaron? We, we did pretty good this year. We got eight playoff teams right, which is about average for us. But the three of the four teams that we mistakenly had in the playoffs were the last three teams that got eliminated. Oh, there you go. And so our playoff prediction had Minnesota. Our playoff prediction had Pittsburgh. Our playoff prediction had Tennessee. Uh, and we had Indianapolis and Kansas City seventh and eighth in the AFC, but they made it in. And we had Seattle uh, seventh in the NFC, and they made it in. So the only team we really, really blew it on was Chicago. So the most disappointing and the most overachieving then, was was Chicago the most overachieving? Chicago was definitely the most overachieving team this year, although I think we have to put Kansas City. I don't think any of us could have expected Patrick Mahomes to be what Patrick Mahomes turned into. Yeah, not quite. What was the most disappointing team then, based on your numbers? Oh, I mean, based on what everybody else expected, the most disappointing team was Jacksonville. Based on what we expected this year, I would say the most disappointing team was Green Bay. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. And then here's here's what I always love to ask you then, and you've had some great answers to this question over the years that have really have really manifested, which is 
Then as we project into next season, for those who enjoy making a futures bet in the NFL, even though I have long said, you know, there's not a lot of value in the futures market before a season starts, but just for those who who might want to delve into that, based on DVOA, what is the team that either failed to make the playoffs, because I I guess Pittsburgh might be the obvious answer to that. I don't want to phrase it that way. But what's the team that's sort of under the radar, let's say, Aaron, in the conventional ma- in, in the mainstream that is that that no one's really thinking about that you think is primed for good su- for great success next year. Well, here's the tough part of that is because if I'm going to answer this question, I want a team where I trust the quarterback and a <laughs> couple of teams where our numbers say that those teams were better than their records. I don't really trust the quarterback. We have Denver 13th despite their 6-10 and 10 record. Denver had an incredible record this year of playing close to really good teams, and that normally indicates improvement the following year. And you're going to get a better, a head coach who's better in in-game decision-making next year, I would hope. Right? They're changing the head coach. Oh, yeah. That should help. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if I trust Case Keenum enough to say Denver is my hot playoff pick for next year. Yeah, uh, I, I hear you on that. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. And then I guess you have to, I mean, I, I would imagine Minnesota and Pittsburgh will be right back. I mean, there's no way until you run through the numbers that you'll notice. We have them 9 and 10. Yeah. Pittsburgh was ninth this year in our number. Minnesota was 10th. Uh, another popular team that we have high, we have Cleveland 18th, and they were hotter at the end of the season. I mean, I definitely am on the Cleveland bandwagon for 2019. Um, Atlanta was, I think, uh, better than people realized, despite the fact that they only went 7-9. and nine. They're 17th in our numbers, and their defense is 31st. And defense is less consistent from year to year than offense, and they had a ton of defensive injuries. There's a lot of reasons to believe that the Atlanta defense will improve next year, and so Atlanta is going to be back into the playoff hunt next year. Absent for the 25th consecutive year, the Washington Redskins and Aaron's numbers. <laughs> Once again, not your fault, Aaron. I'm not no, one of those guys. I mean, yeah. they, were, yeah. they were really, they were doing pretty well in our numbers through half the season. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, they got to the second quarterback and the third quarterback and the fourth quarterback. And so we don't know whether Alex Smith is going to be back next year. We, we don't, don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Yeah. But the defense, it's the same thing. They always have, a, you know, an average defense, and they had an average defense this year. So seven. They're so seven and nine. Um, we're talking to Aaron Schatz at F O underscore A Schatz on Twitter. That's S C H A T Z. He's the uh, head of Football Outsiders, also an ESPN insider. Um, I'm glad you brought up the Cleveland Browns. Before we get to Wild Card Weekend, I want to give you props, Aaron, because before the season started, you came on a numbers game and you made what at the time seemed like an outlandish statement. Do you remember what it was? Did I say that Cleveland was going to go over? <laughs> no, you went even. I probably said more than that. You went even further. You said it would not surprise you if the Cleveland Browns made the postseason. Now it didn't happen, but it got close enough where I think you deserve uh, your proper respect on that, sir. Because people were laughing Thank at Thank that. Thank you. What did your numbers say about the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles? Philadelphia was the most average team we have ever measured. It's kind of remarkable. In 33 years, we've never measured a team that came within one percentage point of average in all three phases of the game (laughs) until Philadelphia. Their total DVOA was 0.0%, and they were 16th in offense, 15th in defense, 15th on special teams, 
15th in schedule strength and 16th in consistency. <laughs> they literally were like the most average team we've ever measured, except that they went 9-7 and seven instead of 8-8, eight and eight, which I think you can give a little bit of credit to, to Doug Peterson for his aggressive coaching to get them over that little extra win there. You know, the fact is, if you look over all five games that Nick Foles started, Wentz was the better quarterback than Foles. If you only look at the last three games, then Foles was the better quarterback than Wentz. But you also have to consider the first two games of the season that Foles played. So I do think it's a little bit of a step down to go from Wentz to Foles for Philadelphia. All right, Aaron, I leave you with this. If there was one team here this weekend that would be most primed for a run to the Super Bowl, which team would that be? The best team of these teams is the Chargers, but the Chargers would have to win three games on the road. That's a little hard to do. Yeah, that's the first first kind Chargers comment all show. It's really been a Ravens-themed show uh, today. Aaron, you're the best. I appreciate it, man. Aaron Schatz, at F-O underscore A-S-C-H-A-T-Z. On Twitter, Football Outsiders founder, creator, and ESPN insider. Thank you, Aaron. Enjoy the weekend. The great Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders right here on a numbers game. There were, there were baseball analytics everywhere, Mateo. And then one day, a young Aaron Schatz up in New England, I believe he was in New England at the time, uh, he was like, why isn't anybody doing this for football? And he was like, I'm going to do it myself. And there, the rest is history. And now back to your regular scheduled podcast. On my right, nearly four decades in the business from Wager Talk, it's Marco D'Angelo. Good morning, Marco. Hey, Gil, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I am on the road. I am at Borgata in Atlantic City. I don't know if you've heard this. Gambling's legalized here. That's why I'm here. We're never stopping for the Megapod, though. On my left, also a staple of the show for all these years, out of the sports betting diaspora, it's Ace. What's happening, Ace? All right. Never better, brother. Never better. Thanks for having me. Is this the week where the Chiefs fall? Is this the week? God bless America. I don't think so. I really don't. I actually think the line should be higher. I'm surprised uh, the dropped the way it did and actually saw some sharp money come in on Indianapolis. That was a little bit surprising. Wow. I thought the line would move the other way. I mean, Colt's been hot, uh, but I thought power rating-wise they would be a, a little greater favorite. I mean, it, look at that. Numbers five. Real quickly, it's five right now. Yeah, you don't have at to do... home field advantage, and it looks low. All right. All right, looks low. You don't have to do your whole dissertation now. We'll find out more about that coming up. And our guest today, returning you today... Ask. I did... I did, but you know how the intro works. Have you been here before, for God's sakes? I love you, bro. <laughs> and uh, the guest on the show today, returning, I think only our second return guest uh, this year, he is a serial contest winner in Las Vegas, 2011. Let me run him down real quick. 2011, $100,000 win eliminator contest, the Palms contest in 2011. Uh, 2016, Stations Casino's last man standing college football contest and flirted with the title over at Stations this year as well in the NFL contest. It's our friend Las Vegas, Chris. What's happening, Chris? Oh, good morning, everybody. Yeah, that was a sad uh, last day of the year loss. Uh, We made it down to the final weekend and lost on the final game by a half a point. Oh, you were down to the last three, right? You were one of the last three. Yeah, the Washington uh, botched uh, extra point on Thanksgiving Day. uh, excluded us from winning the whole thing, sadly. Oh, not to mention a non-targeting flag not made, a non-PI not made. Don't get me started on that game. That was brutal. Thanksgiving, where Washington should have covered 15 different times. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, okay. Well, gentlemen, division round, National Football League, great games. We'll break them all down. Ace already got a head start on the Colts and Chiefs. Let's start there. That's the first one in chronological order. Colts at Chiefs, the Colts coming off. 
the most dominant win of wild card week, that's for sure. Scored 21 points in the first half against the Texans, just sort of coasted it out after that point. Andrew Luck, 222 yards, two touchdowns in that game against the Texans. He actually got 191 of them in both touchdowns before halftime. Colts built a 21 to nothing lead and coasted, as I said, to victory. So they have opened the season, the Colts did, 1-5. Now they've won five in a row, 10 out of 11, and they travel to the Chiefs. The Chiefs, who are AFC West champions, number one seed in the entire AFC. Right now, as we look at this across the board, Chiefs a consensus five-and-a-half-point favorite in this ballgame. As always, we start with the guest. Chris, your thoughts, sir? Well, you know, uh, uh, Ace actually... uh uh, reversed his course uh, from earlier. The last time I was on the show, uh, we were on opposing views on Kansas City, and and uh, humorously enough, uh, we're going to be on opposite sides this time. I was really high on KC through most of the season, but I think uh, since they lost uh, Lamar, what, what's that guy's name again? Uh, Kareem. Uh, who's the guy that got injured? Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, since they lost him, that whole team is not produced offensively with the same efficiency. Efficiency, sir. They scored twenty-five points or more in every game of the season. I think that's the first time ever. And uh, uh, but I, I just see a little bit of uh, the, a little bit of the wheels coming off the bus uh, with uh, Kansas City. Uh, as you mentioned, Indianapolis has won ten out of eleven and uh, seven three and one against the spread. Uh, they're two and zero. Uh, straight up and and uh, uh, against the spread as the dog, they were only an underdog twice, even with that horrible start. But you know, one of the reasons for that is they actually faced one of the worst schedules uh, in the league over recent periods. So uh, they've really put up some great stats, a lot of winning weeks. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous with Indianapolis because they played such a pathetic schedule uh, late in the year. Um, but uh, they really showed up against Houston. Houston has a really strong D. And uh, they handled them pretty well. They are on a roll. Luck has the experience. And now we're in a situation where we've got another rookie quarterback entering the playoffs. And uh, here's a really, really interesting stat I wasn't aware of. The last 20 rookie quarterbacks that have started a playoff game are 4-16 and 16 against the spread. And even 7-13 and, and and overall. Uh, for the few extras that were favored, that won the game. Uh, I, you know, Kansas City's defense uh, is is really soft. We don't have to go into that. Uh, Indianapolis is running the ball very well. They've put up 560 or 580 yards over the last two games, so they have a really balanced attack. Uh, I think it's it's going to really leave a lot of uh, openings for Indianapolis, uh, at the very least, to stay within you know, a backdoor cover sort of situation. I, uh, I'm i kind of surprised the line's below six also. Uh, I haven't bet this game yet. I'm hoping that it gets propped up a little bit. Uh, but I, I probably will play uh, the plus six in this game when we get it. Yeah, and what uh, Chris is saying about Patrick Mahomes, he is the only rookie quarterback that will be playing, or rookie quarterback, he's the only guy that's never had a playoff game under his belt that's playing this weekend, I should say. Even Jared Goff, although it ended terribly for the Rams, terrible performance by the Rams last year, even Jared Goff has played in one. I liked, Marco, the group of games from a betting perspective better last week, quite frankly. Uh, but this is the one where I have the most conviction, and it is on the Colts. How about you? 
Well, I look at this one, and, you know, obviously it's it's hard not to like the Colts the way they're playing, but there are a couple negatives that you got to take into consideration here, and it's going to end up having me playing the total as my stronger play. Uh, this is going to be the third straight road game for Indianapolis, and we know how tough that is during regular season. Now, you know, we move it into the playoffs. Everything's more intensified uh, with the playoffs. That's the biggest concern that I have going in here. Now, fortunately for them, if you want to log uh, the miles traveled, this is not one of those East Coast, West Coast type deals. There are three road games uh, traveling from Indianapolis, is Tennessee, Houston, and Kansas City. So if you could have three road games, this is probably mileage-wise the shortest distance you could have for three road games for them. What I am going to look at, and if you remember on last week's uh, podcast, Gil, I went with the under in the Indianapolis-Houston um, game. And you look at those two teams and you think Andrew Luck, you think of Deshaun Watson, and automatically you think about the over. Um, the Colts' defense had been playing well, but that was a, you know, a division foe that they were meeting for the third time. You know, when you play somebody, you know, twice every year, and then now you hook up a third time in a playoff game, you know everybody's strengths and weaknesses, and I think it's easier to prepare the game plan. Uh, you can take away what the other team does best uh, with that being so familiar with each other. That's not the case this week. Uh, the Kansas City defense, you know, we don't have to talk about how bad they've been all year. I mean, this is from start to finish. Uh, this defense hasn't been able to stop anybody. Uh, they just outscore everybody. And Indianapolis, as Chris said, has played a rather soft schedule. Uh, so I think that part's going to catch up with their defense, which is overachieved this year. That's the biggest surprise to me. We didn't know what Andrew Luck was going to do coming back off the injury from uh, last year, but we knew what he was capable of. Nobody saw this defense playing as good as it did for Indianapolis, and I think that changes this week. And finally, if you go back to last year, if anything, I think Andrew or Andy Reid's going to learn uh, a lesson from last year. No leads ever enough, and especially with the defense that he has this year, he'll keep his foot on the gas. I think throughout the ball game because he knows Andrew Luck is capable of coming from behind. With that said, and with last week's game being a low-scoring game, gives us a little bit of value here with the number. I'm going to go ahead and take over. And I know that, you know, sounds square, Kansas City game, let's take it over. But that, to me, presents the most value. If I, I do lean to the Colts, I will be honest, I lean to the Colts, but it's weak. Probably where I'll be more involved with the Colts is, I know it's not the proper number mathematically to tease, but if it's over the four and a half, and I can use a six-point teaser and get it to double digits, uh, get it to the ten and a half, that would be still, I think, some value in this particular matchup. But I think the over is the better play. Someone I know will be teasing Indianapolis, Marco. That will be me. That will be me, <laughs> for sure. Um, Marlon Mack, it should be mentioned, a huge game against the Texans. Uh, 24 carries, 148 yards, a touchdown. All right, Ace, I'm sorry you jumped the gun earlier. Now you get to speak about the Chiefs. Go ahead. Yeah, no problem at all. I haven't bet, again, this weekend so far, I haven't bet anything. And and closer as the game day, I said that last week, the guys I've been working with the last couple years, they've been 
taking some of their biggest positions the day before and the day of the game with good success. Um, I think it's because some of these lines get knocked out of whack once the public gets involved. And let's face it, most of their money comes in on game day. Uh, With that said... This is a game I thought the line was a little bit short, and what I mean by that is, granted, Kansas City has not played their best ball down the stretch, losing two of their last three games, Um, but they've been a big favorite when they've played at home. I mean, they were a two-touchdown favorite against Oakland. They were a a touchdown favorite against Baltimore. Uh, I just thought it would come out a little bit higher. with that said, I could tell you with certainty there's sharp money on to Indianapolis that picked up that plus six. Um, and that has me thinking, you know, there may be some value on that momentum. As far as the total goes, what, what Marco touched on, I think he may be right. And you look at Indianapolis, um, they haven't had high totals over the last six games. They haven't had any in the 50s even. So uh, with a total this high, I don't think it's just the Kansas City side that's expected to do some scoring. And we know that defense gives up points. So as long as Indianapolis does their part, um, I don't think anyone's going to keep Kansas City off the scoreboard. Um, and again, listen, I, we joke about how I feel about Kansas City. My my simple note is this. I think they're extremely overrated, overvalued. Obviously, they're a good football team. You don't win 11 games, 12 games in the NFL and not have a good football team. Um, but like I said, I thought their schedule was soft. I thought they're built for the regular season. Um, and I don't think they're a playoff-type a football team, and then you couple that with a history of just not being able to get the job done um, when it matters. I mean, listen, they, they, they won the turnover battle against the Chargers at home, plus two in turnovers, and still managed to lose one of their most important games. I mean, every time they stepped up and there was any pressure, they lost. And when they played the Rams in that big marquee, the game of the year pretty much as far as primetime games go, turn the ball over five times. So, I mean, when the pressure's on, this team just hasn't delivered. So, for me, I guess I understand why the Indianapolis money is coming in, especially since this is a team that has delivered when it matters. And Andrew Luck's the guy I want with the football. So, I have not bet this game. I can confirm it's sharp money that took that plus six on Indianapolis Colts, and I can't disagree. Uh, But the only thing I I can add is I don't think there's any line value on the Indianapolis Colts. I think power rating-wise, we're looking at a number that's based more on recency bias than anything else. Um, if this game was played in week eight, week 10, what would Kansas City be? And I, I, you know, they're different teams than they were in week 10. I get that. Uh, but as professionals, we're supposed to not overreact. You know what I mean? We're supposed to not have knee-jerk reactions and not remember what we just saw last. So if you look at the whole body of work, it looks like a little short spread for me. So even though I agree with the Indianapolis side, I don't think there's any line value there, and that's why I haven't bet the game. A few things here just to wrap up the conversation on this. Andy Reid, certainly something's got to give. The playoff woes. Uh, and as Marco said, we don't have to look even past last year to uh, see another bad Andy Reid playoff loss. But Andy Reid off a bye, quite, quite good. So here he's got the extra rest. 20-4 and four straight up lifetime with an extra week rest. 16-8 and eight against the spread. The other thing we talked about all year, home road splits have never been as stark as they have been this year in the NFL. And the Chiefs are 7-1, and one, straight up now we're talking, at home on the season. Of course, they're giving 5.5 in this case, but keep in mind those home road splits. Uh, which brings us to home road splits in this next game. Oh, oh, one more thing on that last game. 
Just a, a postscript on the Houston Texans, if I could. I love Deshaun Watson. And I'm not saying this hot take after the fact, but I was tweeting it while it was happening. When they were down 14 nothing and 21 nothing, and Deshaun Watson was doing all those histrionics with the first down signals and stuff, that is such a bad look in that game. Like, that was embarrassing. Uh, and he was throwing Donovan McNabb like worm burners the entire game long. So I don't know what the story was with that team. I know uh, DeAndre Hopkins got hurt midway through. Certainly was a bad look for Deshaun and the Texans all the way around in that game. Uh, as far as the home road splits in this next one, Dallas at the Rams. That's the second game on Saturday. Dallas coming off a win over the Seahawks. Talk about another team doing bad things. Seahawks play calling in that game against the Cowboys. Very questionable. Very uh, successful in the passing game. Not so much in the running game. I get it that you game plan that way because you're a successful running team all season long and that's who you are. But really, very little adjustment headed into the second half on the Seahawks part. Cowboys hold on. For dear life, after the worst onside kick in history, 24-22, to 22, that number falls right in that spot where, honestly, everybody should have made money. Everybody should have made money on that game. But, lesson in getting the best of the number. And then it's the Rams. Rams 7-1 and one at home this year, straight up 13-3, and three, number two seed in the National Football Conference. Rams seven-point favorites. This is the one game where it has stood at seven the whole way through, probably going to stay at seven, although it's seven with extra juice right now, consensus. Total in this one is 49 and a half. Uh, previous game, Indianapolis and the Chiefs was 57, in case we uh, failed to mention that. Think about the contrast between the totals this week and last week, where we had the three games that were right about 41 and 42. Uh, so this one's 49 and a half. Marco, do the Cowboys have a puncher's chance here? And did they catch a major break that the Eagles won? And uh, instead of having to go to New Orleans, Dallas gets to go to L.A. here. Oh, obviously they catch the break uh, as far as not having to go to New Orleans uh, and face them. Uh, we saw that the Rams weren't quite the same team, uh, you know, over the last month of the season. Yeah, the last two weeks they blew out the Arizona and San Francisco, uh, but uh, they could have just sleptwalked through those games and won. And the San Francisco game, they put up, you know, they gave up 32 points to uh, the 49ers. Um, you talked about Dallas last week, and uh, everybody should have won that game. Well, you know, I was one of the ones that fell right in the middle. I, I was there at the two, so I pushed, and I was on the Cowboys' side, and I was not a happy camper with that game at all. And that is probably, you know, you talk about, you know, bounces of the ball and, you know, luck and turnovers. That game, the point spread was decided by a hamstring, okay? <laughs> let's Let's – Let's just be honest about it. Uh, Seattle doesn't cover that game if they have any, uh, you know, have a field goal kicker that they can kick the extra points. That's right. And uh, it's going to prove to be even more costly for me. Uh, I was in a contest with Mark Lawrence's, and I know you've had Mark on the show, you know, a few times, the the wise guy contest. I I cost myself, I believe it was second place in that one because they used a set number, and when the contest plays were entered, the line was two and a half on Dallas uh, with that one. And uh, it's going to cost me a little bit of money there. But for this game, guys, um, I like the Dallas side, but as we go through these four games, this will probably be the weakest of the four. And it's because if they do fall behind, I'm still not sold 100% on Dak Prescott. He's played well. He made some good throws in that Seattle game. Um, he pressed me with some of the throws that he did make. But this is a team that now they've got to go out on the road. The Rams have had the extra week off to regroup. Uh, 
Todd Gurley. They rested him the last couple weeks to get him, you know, to 100%. And they're going to need him a lot uh, because we all talked about it uh, numerous times. The Rams' offense just didn't seem the same after they lost uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, That is Jared Goff's security blanket. He was the leading receiver. Whenever a play was breaking down, that's the guy he looked to and bailed him out. And that's going to be the question mark in this game. From a fundamental stand, I'm going to go old school and say, you give me the better team or the better defense getting points, that's where I'm going to line up at. But I'll be honest with you, and I know, Gil, I played this game with you a couple times this year. If your life depended on it, <laughs> and you were given one teaser That's right. to save your soul here, yeah. do you feel more comfortable with using the, you know, the six-point teaser and going, and, oh, it's, hell, let's, be, let's give you the full seven if you want. Do you want to go to 14 with Dallas, or do you want to go to pick with the Rams? It's a great question, but if your life depended on it, I think you take the Rams. And that's my and exactly, and that is my only concern because this could get ugly. But I have the lean to the the Cowboys. I think they will be able to run the football fundamentally. You've got a great running team going against the worst team at stopping the run in the NFL. And when you think of who they got up front, it is mind boggling that they're so bad. I think that some of that is a little bit misleading. That in earlier in the season they had such big leads in games that when teams were running the football you totally catch them by surprise and it catches it and inflates the yards per carry some uh, because you know you're going to give up those yards on the ground when you're winning by three touchdowns but I still think Dallas is going to be able to move the ball enough and their defense has played uh, really well uh, over the last half of the season and that's a direct result as we talked last week how Amari Cooper has made this team better on both sides of the football small lean to Dallas this is my weakest of the four weakest of the four you know uh Chris might know this I don't know if you guys know this uh pinnacle penny uh teaser protection on the Rams and the Saints so if you tried teasing the Rams and the Saints they'll only let you tease down the favorites to three Oh, but the but the on the reverse side, they make up for the difference, right? So you could get the dogs for greater than the amount tease. So in other words, if it's a six-point tease, they'll only let you tease down uh, the favorites to three. But the discrepancy, what they left out, they'll give you on the dog side. You'll, so you'll end up getting the dogs for like plus 16, roughly speaking, if you understand what I'm saying. So they stagger that in, for teaser protection purposes. The offshore way to do that at Pinnacle. Well, they have to start doing something uh, about teasers in the playoffs. Uh, the books are just getting murdered uh, on those. So, but Pinnacle isn't the same company. That's a whole, you know, another discussion to be had. Right. But, you know, with with ownership policies, uh, they, they're changing every single facet of any value that they used to offer across the board of every bet and wager that they accept across every sport. So they're they're no longer the uh, the, the the huge value place uh, to be found offshore. Yeah. And, and I would say the pinnacle lean is not what it once was either. Well, of course, because and it's much easier. They've lowered their limits significantly, so it's much easier to, uh, to, to move those lines for much less money. I, I tweeted out the middle of the season, I, I bet a NCAA football game on a late Thursday afternoon for $1,000 and moved it to five or six cents. I couldn't believe it. But the, <laughs> and, and, and then the other thing that people are using with these money lines, or with these uh, pinnacle lines, is 
there are so many offshore books that automatically follow Pinnacle. It's worth it for people to move Pinnacle the wrong direction so that they can get down huge money at the uh, off-screen shops that mirror Pinnacle. So a lot of manipulation. A lot of manipulation. Uh, Ace, Dallas at the Rams. Uh, If you stretch this back now to... New England, Atlanta, the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Falcons. So when the Patriots came roaring back against the Falcons down 28-3 to in that Super Bowl, not only won the game but had the nerve to cover that game as a favorite, as we all <laughs> so vividly recall. Since that time, it has been the revenge of the underdogs of the NFL playoffs. So we extended back to just after that game. 14-1 and against the spread run for underdogs, uh, including 4-0 and last week. The only underdog not to cover in that stretch last year and this year. Uh, the Titans against the Patriots in this divisional round. How do you feel about the Cowboys and the Rams? Will the dog bark here? Real quickly, I just wanted to add on top of what Chris said, and he is 100% on point, and I think nothing is more important than that fact because in today's handicapping world, there's so much talk about line moves, reverse line moves, steam, the sharp side, the hot game, all that nonsense. Um, And I can tell you from experience, and I touched on it on the podcast over and over, any on-screen account I get, I hand off and I say, I don't even want a piece of it. I don't even take a percentage of it. I don't even want a free roll because I don't want a work off built on that account because I know it's used to manipulate the market and nothing else. So you've got to be so careful in today's world trying to pick off. If that's your approach, you know, to, to piggyback the, the sharp side, good luck with it if you don't have a source that actually is moving the stuff um, and is it high up on that food chain as well. Um, now, in, in this round, you have to remember, um, we talked about it last week, and you always bring out the stats is pick the winner, forget the spread. Um, you know, last week, the wild card round, it's close to 90%. Mm-hmm. Nine out of ten times, the spread don't even matter. Yep. In the playoffs, this divisional round is actually the lowest correlation to point spread and, and winner. It's down to 78%, I think you go back 15 plus years so this is the one lowest round and then in the conference finals it goes back up again and the super bowl goes back down again um so the spread does kind of matter in this round if it doesn't any um with that said i think this line's short as well and i'm not one to look at a favorite immediately and again i worry as, as far as the rams because i didn't like when what i saw when they played a team like chicago or even losing to philadelphia the week after um you know and and they beat up our Arizona and Detroit and San Francisco is not all that impressive. Um, And Dallas has been playing good down the stretch. Uh, But I just think that this Rams team is just just way better than uh, as simple as I could put it than Dallas. And as good as Dallas has been getting back to that run, it only works if you're not behind. I mean, if they fall behind to the Rams, I don't care how bad the Rams' rush defense is, you're not going to have to, you know, utilize it much. And Dallas is going to be forced to come from behind, and that's a position I don't think they'll have success in. That's why I look at this game as one that could get out of hand. You know, that could be an easy double-digit, you know, 16-, 17-point win where the, the teaser on the Dallas sign doesn't even help you, so save your money. Um, again, I'm not one to really – 
jump all over the favorites. But you look at Dallas, they only have a plus 15 point differential for the season, you know, compared to the Rams plus 143. I mean, those are just two different football teams. Um, the Rams have been doing it all season, and Dallas has done it down the stretch. And, and you look, they've done great over the last, what, eight games. They've only lost one, the shutout to Indianapolis. Um, but they were playing at home. I mean, they had Washington at home, the Saints at home, Philly at home, Tampa at home, um, Seattle in that playoff game at home. Now they got to go on the road, man, and I just don't think they're going to have much success at all. Um, I like the Rams in this spot. I think that's the safest teaser as far as it looks square, but I don't think you could look at it any other way. There's no sense in teasing it up. It's either tease it down or leave it alone. Um, I haven't bet this game, but for me, it's Rams or nothing at all. I, I don't see anything to make me want to take the Dallas Cowboys. And again, I had them last week. I gave them, I bet a money line. Um, I wasn't going to lay the two or whatever it was, one and a half. So for me, I don't think they're going to carry that over. I like the Rams minus seven here. Haven't bet it, like I said, but it's the only sign I could look at. Zeke for the Cowboys last week. Ezekiel Elliott, 26 carries, 137 yards, the go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter uh, before Dallas had to hold on to that one. Uh, I will say this. To, to me, the difference in this NFL season and any other one that I can remember is that every one of the supposed marquee teams, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Saints, they're all flawed, and we've all seen them, especially in the case of the Rams and the Saints, just have really bad performances where you're like, sure. where you're like, wow, like I thought these guys were supposed to be good. But in the end, if the Rams can't dispatch the Cowboys at home, what are we talking My about point here? Exactly. Yeah, like so. This is Sean McVay versus the Clapper, right? Like if if the Cowboys win this game, everything we thought we knew about that. The Clapper and Sean McVay will be completely turned on its head. Well, I, I think the crowd is going to have an effect on uh, Los Angeles also. Uh, from what I understand, Dallas spent years training in, in the Los Angeles area and has uh, one of their largest crowd bases in that area, uh, especially with Los Angeles being without a team for years. But uh, so the ticket demand is way up after Dallas uh, was announced. And the crowd could be almost 50-50. And if that can't inspire the Rams to play with a chip on their shoulder, I don't know what can. Uh, uh, Marco really hit on a lot of great points uh, with the, the, t- the Rams being a completely different uh, team with Cooper out. They just don't have that same spark. Uh, but they're facing Dallas. Uh, Dallas 6-13 and the last 19 times they played a winning team. Uh, the Rams at home play much differently than they do on the road. Also, uh, Goff is has 22 touchdowns versus three interceptions. He's much more comfortable playing there. Uh, the Rams defense is doing it. They're plus 11 on turnovers. They're forcing fumbles. Uh, and uh, if they don't have the best special teams in the league, uh, it's certainly one of the best special teams uh, in the league. So. Uh, there's certainly no, uh, my numbers say that I should be laying the seven. I really wish it would have gone down to six and a half and, and, and people had been drinking the Dallas Kool-Aid to bring it under the seven. I think, uh, certainly we're never going to see that. Uh, so I haven't bet the game. Uh, I'll probably have the Rams in a teaser. Uh, probably will bet the Rams, uh, and that's where I stand on that. All right. But it's, 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 it's the weakest of the four games. All right, let's go to Sunday. Chargers at New England. This, to me, is maybe the most interesting of all the games. Uh, Lamar Jackson sacked seven times by the Chargers last week. The Chargers, even when they were up at Baltimore, even when they were up 23-3, to there was this feeling, for those of us who had the Chargers 
and who have Chargers futures, were like, wow, this is a kind of stroll kind of game. Like, I almost felt like, and I think I even tweeted at the time, Chargers were like, here, go ahead, take the game, Ravens. And the Ravens just couldn't do it. Uh, they didn't have it. Lamar Jackson was two for eight at halftime for 17 yards and a pick, a 0.0 quarterback rating, and the Chargers led 12 to nothing on the strength of four field goals at halftime. By the way, if you had said before the game, hey, one of these two kickers, uh, Justin Tucker and uh, Michael Basley is going to have five field goals, <laughs> you know, what would the odds have been on it being Basley? But the Chargers then end up holding on for dear life, right? Because the Ravens go nuts at the end. And the Ravens actually have the ball with a chance to win it at the end. When I was watching that, it was kind of surreal. Like, it happened so fast. I was like, this can't be happening. Like, I couldn't process it. That said, it's not all Lamar Jackson's fault. The Ravens' offensive line just got murdered by the Chargers' defensive line. New England, they're four-point favorites now. This opened a little higher. It's down to four. Ace, we start with you. The total's at 46.5. You've been talking about how you're surprised that the spreads on the Saturday games. Were you surprised that this is this low? Yeah, but honestly, power rating-wise, I kind of made it four. Like, I, 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 what can you really make it um, just because of how San Diego's playing, you know, and, and their road record? you got to factor in. This is a team that's won nine out of ten games on the road. Um, so I, I wasn't all that shocked, and it is a New England team that looks vulnerable this season. And at least from the early public money, and again, it's so little of it has come in, but I looked at the back end of a book I have access to before coming on, we're doing the podcast, um, and it's Charger money. I mean, parlays that were tied in from like NBA from earlier in the week that, yep. that is live, that they won, is, is pending on the Chargers. So that's usually like a, a pre like a, a, what's going to come. It's always a preview. Whenever I see that stuff early in the week, usually come game day, that's the side that's one-sided. And I'm not going to be surprised if the uh, the money does come in on the Chargers. And personally, I, I disagree. Um, for me, this is New England blindly or leave the game alone. Uh, and here's the reason why. Uh, in the last 15 years, 14 of the last 15 AFC champions have been named Brady, Roethlisberger, or Manning. Roethlisberger ain't around, Manning isn't around, and there's only one guy left standing, and that's Tom Brady. So unless, until New England is ousted from the playoffs, um, uh, they're the team I'm looking at. And I have a little bias. I have a future on New England. I, give a, I bet an NFC team and an AFC team, and New England was my AFC team, uh, simply because uh, they've been always favored to win the Super Bowl. Remember, like last year or the year before, they went down like a 2-1 to one before the season. And the fact that I was able to find 6.5 or 7-1 to one at one spot, um, I just thought that was just way too much value to pass up. And this is the, the game that I have a future on, unlike the next one we're going to talk about, that I'm not hedging. Um, I'm not taking the Chargers plus four to hedge any of that bet. Um, I don't like the Chargers in this spot at all. Um, I think this is New England's game. Uh, I get it. Chargers have been playing great on the road, but now you're looking at three straight road games um, as a team that was put in must-win situations, you know, and you're in that over and over, and you couple that with just turning the ball over too much for my liking. I mean, here's a team that's got ten turnovers over the last four games. Granted, they won three or four of them, and more importantly, covered three or four of them, but how hard, long can you maintain that before there's that regression, and you're going to run into a New England team that knows how to take advantage of turnovers. 
Um, so for me, I, I mean, just match up everything to me says New England. Um, again, I, I've been on the tail end on the other side without even wanting to because I do take percentage of the account. And we all know how the, the betting syndicates like going against New England during the regular season because it's always so-called inflated. Um, uh, but th- this is one of those spots that I don't care what I see in any accounts. It, for me, I'm not hedging it. I like New England here. Um, um, I, they think they should win this game by two touchdowns. I really do. I'm going to give some quick information. As far as the total, I, I have a difference of opinion. One the, the guys I respect the most that actually moves lines when he fires, bet the under first half, and it went 23.5 down to 22.5. Um, but then you're seeing this total for the game line coming back up, and that is uh, betting syndicate money that counts. They just bet the over 46, 46 and a halfs or whatever um, in there. And that's why you're looking at 47s, probably 47 and a half this morning. Total's going back up. So just putting that out there, there's a difference of opinion. One likes under in the first half. Other group likes over in the game. Uh, but I like the, the New England minus four. I think you could re- pleaser this one and lay double digits. Oh, going pleaser. By the way, Chrissy Andrews, inventor of the uh, term pleaser. He's uh, sorry that he never copyrighted it. Uh, the Chargers, I guess I'm contractually obligated to mention, because everybody else is, that the Chargers are 0-7 lifetime against Tom Brady and the Patriots, including the playoffs, since Phillip Rivers became the starter in 2006. By the way, last thing about Lamar Jackson, because I just want to defend him a little bit. His center, his snapper... What the hell was that? Like, balls were going over his head. He was also whipping in something that Lamar Jackson couldn't handle. That didn't help Lamar Jackson's cause last week either. Chris, where was I going with this game? Oh, I was mentioning last game, McVay versus the Clapper. Well, some people would say it's Bill Belichick versus Anthony Lynn. Do you really want to put your money... Uh, on Anthony Lynn, and you really want to go against Bill Belichick. No one has ever uh, gone to the rich house betting against Bill Belichick. How do you feel about this game here? Uh, Well, I was actually looking forward to betting New England until I examined my spreadsheet. And uh, I I really wasn't a huge charger bet for the entire season. They have such a history of special teams uh, sabotaging their success. And uh, when you really look at the Chargers, it, it, they've solved these problems. They're, they're an atrocious kicking game. Believe it or not, the guys made 47 out of 50 kicks. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, – their defense, uh, their special teams are actually one of the better special teams now in the league, and it's a complete uh, reversal of fortune. And, and that's their that's difference for this team. Uh, you know, all their horrible losses were, you know, in years past seem to be – for nonsense mistakes with special teams in one way or another. Uh, you know, if you replace, if, if you were just betting these teams on stats and results and you took all the names and the coaches out of the equation, the, the Patriots wouldn't be favored in this game. I, I, I've read a That's lot right. of people That's right. uh, that, that, that have the Chargers actually, you know, one, one-and-a-half-point favorites. I have it more of a pick em, uh, but there, I think that there's an asinine amount of value in this game. Uh, even though my head wants to bet New England for all the reasons they said, uh, you know, it, it, it's a more you know a lot of people are going to have that show me attitude. But uh, I would have liked to have been getting more than uh, four points. Uh, it's the only game I've bet so far plus four and a half. Uh, I really look at the Chargers uh, having an 18 game uh, road schedule this year so far their home advantage is next to nothing which 
you know, really, you know, is probably helpful to the Chargers that they can just stay more focused, you know, from game to game to game to game. Uh, New England is, is so banged up uh, and so average. It, you know, it's just shocking uh, to me that uh, we're getting points in this game with what the Chargers have done on the field uh, statistically and what you can see with your eyes. And that, and that Baltimore team was no slouch. And uh, I was very surprised to see how well they did against Baltimore, even though Baltimore you know, shot themselves in the foot. You still have to do it. You still have to perform on the road. And uh, they're impressive. I think there's value with the Chargers. They're impressive. I am in the tank for them with futures to win the AFC uh, primarily. Uh, I'm all about the Chargers. Baltimore, by the way, finished with 90 yards rushing in that game after averaging 229.6 with Jackson at the helm during the regular season. I think you put it perfectly, Chris, which is this is there's not a better example of the historical – uh, feeling you have about the New England Patriots and the historical feeling you have about the Chargers and then being able to sort of get your brain to throw that to the side and think about what is actually the case if you take off the names as you, as you put it off the uniforms. Chargers, remember, if they don't give up that game to the Broncos with that ridiculous play call where they pass the ball right underneath the set, the uh, two-minute warning and, in effect, the incomplete pass gave the Broncos like four or five extra plays uh, just a ridiculously stupid move. It's the Chargers who are the number one seed in the AFC, uh, if that doesn't happen. Uh, and I asked uh, Marco, I asked Michael Lombardi on a numbers game on VEASAN this week. I, you know, we were going through all these games, and he was saying things about the Chargers like he doesn't know if Phillip Rivers is okay, he just doesn't trust Anthony Lynn, the Chargers historical, all the things that, we, that we've been touching upon. And in the end, in which I'll ask you guys this at the end of the show, I asked him, okay, so if you had to pick one dog here that wins a game outright, he's like, oh yeah, Chargers. <laughs> you know, he threw that all aside, and he was like, oh, clearly it's the Chargers. Yeah, well, I'm going to look at the Chargers. I mean, we talk about... Uh situations as far as scheduling goes and you know ace pointed out that this will be their third road game in a row it's actually going to be their fourth in five weeks and unlike when i talked about the indianapolis game and with the travel uh, this is putting the mileage on uh, they're going from la to baltimore back to la back out you know to play to new england so you couldn't put, really log any more miles than they are during this streak uh, that they're playing. Uh, not not to mention, not to mention, if I might jump in, I'm sorry, Marco, to interrupt. Not yeah. to mention that how how much of a shaft have the Chargers gotten by not only having to travel but playing the early Sunday game on the East yeah. Coast two weeks in a row? Like that's unprecedented that they got the shaft on that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I agree with you. That's another great point about it. But you look at the Chargers. And I look at New England, and, you know, we don't have to talk about the history. And, you know, just blindly betting the Patriots at home the last three seasons, you're 20-8 and eight against the spread. You know, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. But let's be realistic. New England had one of the softest schedules in the NFL this year just because of the division they reside in. When you get to play the Jets twice, you get to play Buffalo twice, uh, once with a rookie quarterback, and once without, and if you remember, the, the game without was the game that they signed Derek Anderson off the street to come in and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and play the Monday night game. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, and then Miami wasn't anything uh, special this year. So you look at New England, they lose Josh Gordon. And I think this is going to be, moving forward, actually the, one of the bigger hits for them because it takes away – 
that deep threat that they didn't have all year. I mean, he was becoming a go-to guy for Brady. And this looked like, you know, prior to this last indiscretion, you know, Bill Belichick does it again. He pulls somebody off the, you know, the trash heap that's been a problem child everywhere and made him a productive player. And then what happens, you know, he has the relapse. So uh, I think that's going to hurt. Gronk has not been Gronk all year long. He's got, what, three touchdowns this year. Um, you look at him in, you know, the last few games, uh, he doesn't have that explosiveness uh, anymore. Uh, the guy's beat up. Um, to rely on him to take over a game like he used to, I can't do. Um, a lot of people are going to look, I think, the public perception from last week's game and say, you know, the Chargers, as much as they dominated, as you said, they never really pulled away from Baltimore, settling for the four field goals at the beginning of the game, which Anthony Lynn, for God's sake, when he, why do these coaches continue when they're inside the, you know, the two-yard line? Do we got to run the jumbo-tight formation all the time? Let's just put all 22 people right all together, and let's just see what happens. Spread the goddamn field out. That drives me nuts more than anything else watching a football game. And it took them seven attempts. Because remember, they got stopped three, kicked the field goal, then later in the game got stopped three, and finally even went on fourth down before they got it into the end zone. So seven attempts before they got the ball into the end zone. Um, change the plays, boys. But this week, I think that you'll see more of a wide-open game. And last week, the game, we talk about how a game opens up and how it develops. And once you saw that uh, Lamar Jackson was a deer caught in headlights last week, the Chargers really never had to push, you know, the gas pedal. They didn't have to force the issue uh, because Baltimore wasn't going to do anything. And for anybody uh, watching the game, we, Gil, you're, you know, you're a Washington fan, but Baltimore's, you know, the, your next door neighbor there. Were you expecting Flacco at any point? Well, I asked at the beginning, I think late in the first half on Twitter, I was like, all right, truth serum, if you're a Ravens better right now or a Ravens fan, do you want Flacco in? And most people at that moment wanted Flacco. Because, again, it gets back to your one-game thing. If you want to win one game, which right. one of those guys did you want? I don't know that Flacco would have had better success, quite frankly, because I think their offensive line was getting crushed. But I think it's a worthwhile question anyway. Yeah, and it's, uh, I thought they should have come to Flacco. And then it, it, when they didn't bring him out in the third quarter, and then after the first two drives were more of the same for Jackson – and they didn't bring him in, then it dawned on me, and then I figured it out. And then when I heard the post-game interview, it confirmed it for me. Obviously, we know Flacco's not going to be there next year. No. That, that was clear with Harbaugh's comments, wishing him luck and everything else. But that became money. And I don't think the organization, and that's sad that you would risk a playoff game for it, but I don't think they wanted to risk him getting hurt on their paycheck because they have one – one year left on that contract. That's right. That's the Robert Griffin thing. The reason the Redskins didn't play him his last year is because they would have been on the hook for, what is it, $19 million if he gets hurt. That's the one thing that guarantees a player's contract is an injury like that. By the way, it's a whole other story. That's the reason why the Jaguars, in essence, had to stick with or decided to stick with Blake Bortles. That's a whole other story. Because like a wrist injury 
never really improved, so they were in effect on the hook for him for one year, so they figured, ah, let's just sign him to a three-year deal, which effectively is a two-year deal. But if that injury doesn't happen, they probably don't have Blake Bortles as long as he right. So I think you're right about Flacco. The other thing about that is Lamar Jackson effectively saved John Harbaugh's job for him. So that was another thing we were talking about. I was like, does he really is he really going to pull Lamar Jackson after that guy single handedly saved his job in Baltimore? Should be a great game. Chargers Should, and the Patriots. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So for with that said, I think the Chargers uh, are the better team. This is the best team Phil Rivers has had in in I can remember of any of the playoff teams that he's taken. Uh, I like them here. You look at this game going into New England. Remember, these two teams played last year, and it was an eight-point victory by the Patriots. But that was the game that if you watch that game, the Chargers were in it from start to finish, and they just couldn't get that one play to get over the hump. And, of course, you know, Belichick and Brady, everything falls into place as it usually does. (laughs) You can't tell me if you just compare from last year to this year. The Chargers are a much better team than they were last year. And New England is definitely taking a step backwards. So that gap is closed. I will be on the Chargers. I'm even going to be a little on the over in this game. And then you'll go for the three-headed monster. Get me over ten points. I'm also going to be there with some teams. You know I'll be there on the teaser side of things. I, um, I said it before. I'll say it again. I think the, the Chargers-Colts 5-6 combination is the best 5-6 we've ever seen in any playoff bracket since they've gone to this format. I mean, they are live to get into the AFC Championship. Could you imagine, by the way, the Chargers got a home game? By the way, it's not called StubHub anymore. If they get a home game, we're going to learn a new stadium name, some new sponsor. It's not even StubHub anymore, so we'll see if that happens, if those two teams are able to win outright. Uh, Before we get to the final game, a reminder, as always, that the show, the support for the show today, comes from Bookmaker.eu. Bookmaker.eu, an industry leader for close to 30 years. Pro players consider them a must Yes, they do, because they're first to post odds, take the highest limits, and pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player. I cannot tell you what a rare commodity that is these days. Very highly valued trait. Bookmaker's a high-volume sports book, best suited for the sophisticated player who understands sports betting, also caters to large recreational players, and their motto, as it always has been, is where the lines originate, because chances are your sports book follows their line. And if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill, that's bookmaker.eu slash g-i-l-l today. You can join and claim an exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. That's bookmaker.eu slash gill to join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300. I swear by bookmaker. I don't know what I would do without them. I don't know if I would even bet anymore. I'm serious. Like I, I, I love bookmaker that much. As I mentioned, I'm betting on replays, for God's sakes, uh, and all kinds of things. It is so reliable, and I stand by them. Bookmaker proud sponsor of this podcast all right guys final game it's new orleans hosting the philadelphia eagles the defending super bowl champion philadelphia eagles the nick Foles magic carpet ride continues last week in chicago cody parkey off the upright off the crossbar eagles hold on for a dramatic 16 to 15 win after tying it up on a fourth and goal from the one Foles to tate with just under a minute left um, but the Bears got in field goal position. Parkey, I knew as soon as he kicked that through the uprights on the uh, icing one where uh, Doug Peterson called timeout, I knew when Parkey sunk that, I was like, oh, no. 
He's gonna miss. <laughs> He's gonna miss the next one. It's no question. Foles now is seven and zero straight up in elimination games. So three and zero in the playoffs last year in the Super Bowl, as we also famously know. And then this year four and zero now. Three and zero in the regular season. Rams, Texans, Redskins to close out the season, and then last week against the Bears. Is this where it ends, Chris? We start with you. The Saints eight point favorites. Totals fifty and a half. Well, Foles is kind of relatively pedestrian at seven TDs, five uh, picks, so he's kind of coming down to earth a little bit. Um, facing Breeze at home, who's twenty-two and one. So I, I, this, I, I made a mistake. This is actually my weakest game of the the week, and I didn't do a lot of preparation on this game just because it, there was just so much skewed data. Everybody's making a big deal of this forty-eight to seven win earlier in the season, but, you know, Philly was an entirely different team at that point. Uh, uh, they were extremely banged up. They had a different quarterback. Sproles, I don't think, played. I think the center got injured. You know, it was just a debacle of uh, a comedy of errors, and you, you have to kind of cast that aside. My numbers have this as New Orleans supposed to be about 9.5 to 10, so I don't see a lot of value there in the Never Neverland uh, area. Uh I'll definitely consider teasing this game. I don't think I'm going to have a play on this team unless it miraculously gets down to a seven. Uh, and I kind of think that the over, and, I, and I'm the worst totals guy ever, so you probably should take the under, but I, I kind of think the over might be something to look at because there's a little bit of value with the low-scoring game. Philadelphia is off and uh, off of with the Bears. But it's going indoors. It's going to be good weather. The Eagles don't really play well on turf. Uh, but uh, that's all I can say about this game. It, it, it's teaser-friendly. Teaser-friendly. But here's the question. Teaser-friendly in both directions. Like, it's really almost difficult to call. Do you tease the Saints? Do you tease the Eagles? I assume you're talking about the Saints. Yeah, I'm talking about the Saints. Yeah. It, it's going to be pretty hard. You know, books are going to definitely be fading Rams, New Orleans teasers. Uh, they need, they're going to need one of those two guys to go down. Yeah, for sure. Marco, your thoughts here. Well, uh, we promised uh, to somebody on Twitter had asked uh, for the podcast this week to uh, mention uh, double doink uh, during the Megapod four. So uh, (laughs) I I answered that. In uh, when that happened on Sunday night, my God, the the poor Bears fans. uh, (laughs) I said at least though somewhere for at least one day, Steve Bartman is not the most hated person in Chicago sports history. You see the dude on a video that's being, you know, sent all around who's on the Cody Parkey f***y rant that he has. Oh, from, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> poor, poor guy. Yeah. Oh. So uh, with that said, Philadelphia, you know, St. Nick the, to the rescue continues. I mean, right now, Nick Foles could run for mayor of Philadelphia and win in a landslide. I, I mean, the, the guy, they love him right now. But let's be realistic. Um, last week, they should not have won. Um, Chicago had every opportunity to win that game. Um, the fact that the, they settled for field goals again at the beginning of the game. And, you know, it was one of those things where the, maybe the inexperience of Trubisky, but you really can't blame uh, Mitchell Trubisky. We, yeah. I thought going in that that would be the asterisk to the game. It was his first playoff game. But he put up good numbers. You, you can't fault what he did. He didn't have any turnovers. Uh, so, you know, a clean game for Trubisky, uh, they just didn't get the job done. And one of the plays 
that I go back to, first of all, for Foles, as good as a game as he had, he did have two horrible throws. Um, the interception in the end zone, oh, yeah. uh, I don't know what he was looking at uh, coverage-wise there. That was horrible. And then the other one, uh, the first one of the game, uh, you know, could have proved costly, but he bounced back, kept them in position. But nobody talks about the stupid play of uh, the Bears. Right when they regained momentum after their score, I think it was late third quarter, maybe early fourth, um, they had Philadelphia pinned deep. And there was that third down and long, and the guy, you know, could have pulled it in, but had dropped it. And then they get the call for the defenseless. The second defender comes in and just levels them, lights them up, and they get the uh, you know defenseless uh, defender uh, unnecessary roughness call that kept that drive alive. Chicago would have got the ball back. Yeah. It probably midfield in momentum at that time if they don't have that one game-changing, you know, gaffa, you know, with the penalty. Yeah, I was on the Bears in that game. I'm, I'm a little sour with it, but, you know, they had their opportunity. They make the two-point conversion. It's a seven-point game, not sitting on five and everything else. But can they, can they close a 41-point gap from the first meeting? Uh, you know, they got drilled 48-7. to Yes, that was with Carson Wentz, and yes, they had injuries at the time and they're playing better. But the Saints team, you know, they're a machine. Unfortunately, the last few weeks, you know, the offense hasn't looked the same. Did the Saints peak too soon? That's my only concern with the Saints. Uh, will I lay the points with them? If you ask me, do I feel better with taking the Saints or taking the Eagles? I'm going to tell you I'm going to take the Saints. Am I going to take teasers? Absolutely, I'll be on it. Absolutely. I am a little bit surprised, though, guys. I thought that this was the game that the number would be sitting at nine to block the teasers. The fact that, you know, we didn't see it go to nine. A little bit, you know, they're – they're getting enough money on the Eagles. People are buying into this. They are the defending Super Bowl champs. And as you said, Gil, they've been in playoff mode for a month. You can't fault that you know, mentality whenever a team is playing that way. But once again, we've got another team. And I don't remember a playoff where we had as many teams playing three straight road games. This is another one. Now, granted, you know, again, it's not the worst of it. There's not an East Coast, West Coast in there. You know, they're playing Washington, Chicago, and New Orleans, but it's still, it's three road games in a row. And, guys, if you look, it's actually five of the last six on the road for Philadelphia. At some point, (laughs) this magical circus ride is going to come to an end, and it has the makings of when it does come to an end, it comes hard, and in Philadelphia, they got to exercise those demons from the first game. You know, if they're in this early, they can stay in this all the way. But what happens if they fall behind fourteen nothing? And visions of that first game come creeping back in. I got, this, I have a weak vote for the Saints. I've got a very strong vote for the Saints on teasers. Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles tries it again. Uh, there's a few things about the game. One, uh, Chrissy Andrews did did open the Saints as a nine point favorite at the South Point in Las Vegas. Teaser protection. 
Uh, but he, you know, at least early on, tactical error, he even admits, because the money then came in on the Eagles. So it was not at all what he uh, anticipated there early on. A uh, few things about that game last week that, that sort of get lost. First of all, how great was the uh, mascot reaction when the field goal? <laughs> when the field goal is <laughs> a phenomenal Bears mascot reaction. Um, but the, uh, the timeout that Doug Peterson called right before fourth down, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it was genius because they planned to play. And I'm like, nah. Not at the time it wasn't. That was a very that gets washed away in history because they convert the one yard pass to Golden Tate. And so that timeout, which would have effectively been a death knell for the Eagles if they don't convert there, that kind of got washed away in history, in my opinion. Golden Tate, which I said at the at the trade deadline, I'm like, I get it that this is a very active NFL trade deadline, but like the Lions willingness to trade him to a conference opponent, like a potential wild card race opponent, didn't happen for the Lions. But there, Golden Tate justified his whole trade value uh, in one play. And then um, the last thing, the Bears, when they went up 15-10, to 10, that two-point conversion attempt where they tried the gadget play with, like, Khalil Mack in the game running in motion, that failed. Like, that to me was like a two-point play you try when you're up 19 trying to go up 21. Not when you're up five in a division-round playoff game. And, like, Nagy was all smiles about it when Khalil Mack was coming off the field. I was like, that is not a time to smile. And, and last thing, and I'm sorry, an ace, I'll go to you right here, but I do think it deserves to be brought up one last time. Nagy's decision to beat the Minnesota Vikings. I'm sorry. Like, I know people are like, but this is not a second guess. I first guessed this. So I'm not just bringing it up because of the result. Even if Cody Parkey makes that field goal, I'm still talking about it. Nagy's decision to say, you know what? We're just going to, we see the football team in front of us. We're going to beat the football team in front of us. That's how we play. Whoever we play, we play. And they end up with the Eagles. Well, I do think that it's worth questioning that once again. I questioned at the time. I'll question it again. I really do believe that they should have played that differently. Ace, your thoughts on this game? I think this is the most difficult game to handicap because they played already. And what I mean by that is they played just in December, in November, I mean, mid-November, not all that long ago. Um, and granted, different quarterback situation, but we're supposed to be able to quantify what the change is. Um, the drop-off or, you know, an increase. But with that said, we had a seven-point line in that game, and the Saints blew them out 48-7. to So... As sharp betters, you're not supposed to over-adjust, meaning if they were going to play the following week, you may shade it a little bit, what, a half a point, one point at the most, um, based on perception. But with that said, now we have to factor in the changing quarterback. The drop-off from Wentz to Foles, I think most guys make it about one, one-and-a-half points at that at the most. Um, but then you add in how Foles has been playing, especially the last two games, games where you know he could do no wrong more or less um and i agree with chris i thought the line would be higher closer to that double digit range um for me this is simple and i'm just going to share as much information as i can um and i obviously no secret i have a future on the saints and they were 15 to 1 so there's a lot of equity there and for me, it's always the decision, do I hedge with a chance of a middle or do I leave it alone? And for me, the only time I hedge is if I like the other side, if I think the other side has value. I don't like to give up equity, especially when you have them by the balls, because you have them by the balls so few times. Um, and with that said, here's a game where I, I thought Saints at home uh, against the Eagles, who granted their stats on the road are, are pretty line up with what they are at home. You know, it's not like they really uh, – 
regress when they go on the road. Um, but we know how dominant the Saints are. We know their home field advantage. It's, it's been well established now for a long time. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be in a great position. Don't even have to hedge this. Saints aren't going to lose it. And then everything changed on Sunday um, because as soon as those lines came out and there were nine and a half, there were 10 up there, 10 minus 120 um, to take the Eagles. And uh, the group that's done the best for me in the NFL took Philadelphia in every single account all the way down to as low as plus eight and a half. Um, so it was as legit of a position as they can take. Uh, and that made my decision very easy. I too will be hedging my future bet, uh, hopefully middling by having the Saints winning the game between one and eight points. Um, but again, I, that's what I could pass along that, that very established long-term like respected it. winner is on Philadelphia and likes them a lot. And I do radio in new Orleans every week and I have built some good contacts there. Um, including one that, that is in the Saints locker room a lot. And uh, without really giving a name or anything, the exact text I got maybe two or three days ago is, dude, I'm about to make the biggest bet I've ever made on Philadelphia. Am I on the right side? Like he wanted to know if I have any information on the game. This is a guy who loves the Saints, follows the Saints, is in the Saints locker room, and is telling me, this line's way too high. Any, indica- um, any indication as to why he said that to you, though? Uh, no. No, I mean, you know, it was on text back and forth All like right. that. It wasn't okay. like really talking to him and digging into it. Okay. But, um, yeah, he was just like, I, I want to place my biggest bet. And it's been rare over the last seven years. I've been doing radio there. Um, I think maybe ten times has he reached out like that. And his win percentage has been pretty good, whether on the Saints or against the Saints. So the fact two of those sources came in against New Orleans makes me worried about my future. And um, to me, I'm taking Philadelphia, man. Okay. Again, I, I'm not the sm- I smartest guy in the room. I try to surround myself with smart people. And when you do that, you got to listen to them on occasion or else why surround yourself. All right, final questions here, guys. You can answer this one with one word. The underdog then most likely to win outright this weekend, in your opinion, Chris, is? Uh, Chargers. Marco. Chargers. Ace. Colts. Ooh, I like it. Phrase, uh, one phrase to answer this question. The game you like least, Chris, you already mentioned it again. Uh, Philly, New Orleans. Marco. Dallas Rams. Ace. Philly, New Orleans, because I, I can't bet it. <laughs> okay. Uh, last thing, I am in Atlantic City to do a shoot with uh, Jay Rude from MGM here at Borgata, but in a couple days, I am going to Jersey City with a partner, uh, and we're entering the uh, DraftKings uh, Sports Betting National Championship, which is this funky little formatted contest that has just gotten publicity recently. Really, it wasn't well promoted early on. Uh, Chris... Any words of advice? You're the contest king, and why aren't you doing this? Or are you doing this? You No, you touched on it exactly. I, I can't believe how under-promoted it, it was. I just found out about it last weekend for the first time. From what I understand, there's a, uh, a big overlay warning uh, yeah. with it. There's so few entries. Uh, last number I saw was about 140 people entered, uh, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of late entries, but... Um, when we won the win contest, we were fortunate enough that there was a huge overlay uh, on that one because they had the guaranteed $100,000 first 
a prize, and there was only about 600 people entered. So uh, they took a big bath on that one. And I don't know what the what the top prize in, in this one you just mentioned is, but, uh, you know, anytime you're in an overlay situation, you're getting great value. But uh, unfortunately, I don't know the format of it uh, other than I, I believe you can bet any bet that is allowed on the DraftKings app or uh, that they offer. So I think you're going to be fighting people that are going to be very selective with props and very unusual bets. Uh, the, the people that are going to win this contest are not going to be the people betting the normal bet. Right. That, uh, are overtly uh, recognizable. The, 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 there are people out there that I know that are already out there that will find the holes and the weaknesses. So uh, it's basically similar to going into a horse racing uh, handicapping contest and, and you're facing people that, you know, are great friends with all the barns and owners and stuff, and you're supposed to, you know, beat those guys. So uh, it, it's going to be a tough contest. It, it's, it, it'll be very interesting to see the road of selections that the winner uh, takes and wins with. I agree with Everything you said, one hundred percent. I think you're spot on with all that. Uh, there will be an overlay, and uh, you know that's one of the reasons why smart people decided, "Hey, wait a minute, this is something we should, we might want to enter." Um, and I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about lots of other groups that have decided to do it here in, in the late going. And I think you're right. I think most of the people, sort of the non-sports betters who get in, more of the fantasy players, they'll they'll do ATS and they'll just try to roll it over and make it bigger and bigger and they'll crap out. And I think the smart players do play props, do play, you know, some of the more, uh, let's put it, off the uh, off the radar things. We have our own ideas. Yeah, but let's not forget, there, yeah. there's limits to those bets. And with DraftKings, right. I'm sure the limits are low. That's and it's right. all based on your account. You, you're betting real money, actual money. Yeah. So if you can only get 300 on a prop and the other guy could put 2,000 on a side or total, I mean, it gives him, you know, how much are you going to build it up during, through the prompts? So you got to factor that in, too. DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship, if you're interested uh, here in the final going, if you can... Uh, Move on a drop of a dime. It's DraftKings.com slash SBNC. DraftKings.com slash SBNC. Million-dollar first prize. It's a $2.5 million contest, $10,000 entry fee, and then a $5,000 bankroll. Yeah, the, the way it works is, is, is like this. You, you put up $10,000 entry fee. They credit 5000 of that ten into a DraftKings account for you. So you have a DraftKings Sportsbook account on your phone, and it'll have $5,000 in there. You have to bet at least $1,000 each of the first two days, Friday and Saturday. You could bet anything in that app, so it'll have sides, totals, all the sports, props, whatever you want for the limits that DraftKings allows. And again, you've got to bet at least $1,000 each of the days. Now, Sunday, you have to bet at least $2,000 on the NFL divisional games. The first one, the second one, both of them, whatever you want to do, and your final bets you could make are up until that second game kicks off. And then when, when it's all over and that second game is done, whoever has won the most money over the three days, you qualify for the top prize through if they pay 25 positions. But what the beauty is, the 5000 that's credited to your account any money you won is yours. 
So, I mean, even if you just don't break even, you get your 5000 back, you cash out your account, you leave. You know, so it's a great contest. And in fact, you know, like I said, I'm trying to get out there. I'm looking for flights and stuff like that. I just thought it was next week and I found out about it yesterday. So I'm having that logistic problems to, to get out there. But I think it's definitely worth going. And you're right. The word I, I think you use this word, but whatever it is, I'll paraphrase the trajectory of their bets, the, the route they take to the championship. That will be fascinating to find out in the end. Las Vegas, Chris, multiple handicapping contest champ. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for doing this. I know I've I jacked up your lunch hour, so thank you. My pleasure. Marco D'Angelo, ace. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us, brother. No problem. Two weeks away from the depraved Vegas lifestyle show, championship round in between that. <laughs> Good luck with all your bets this weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 